In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bertrand Russell says, Every energetic person wants something that they can count as glory. There are those who get it. Film stars, famous athletes, military commanders, and even some, a few politicians, but they are small minority, and the rest are left to daydreams. Daydreams about glory. Well, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, didn't want to daydream any longer because on the road to Jerusalem, they pulled Jesus aside and said, Hey, Jesus, we've got a plan. I want to be on your left hand, and I'll be on your right hand, and when you're in your glory, we'll reign and we'll bask in all that glory and power and have a great time. Well, they didn't know what they were asking. Jesus knew they didn't know what they were asking. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, their mom is the one that's brokering which son, James or John, would be on the left or on the right to rule in the kingdom of Jesus. They literally thought, by following Jesus around, seeing him, that in fact, He was going to be the next king, that he would be swept in. There would be an inauguration of Jesus as king in Jerusalem and that they would be on the left and the right, the left-hand man, the right-hand man. So they had that type of faith in Jesus, but they didn't understand that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to inaugurate a different type of kingdom. And they didn't have any idea what Jesus was talking about when Jesus asked them, can you take the cup that I'm about to take? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I'm being baptized with? And they said, we are able. And they had no idea what they were saying. Well, that is a part of the story. They just simply did not know. Jesus let them know, though, that they would, in fact, take that cup. What was that cup? The cup is symbolic for the sins of the world. The awful cup of bearing the burdens of all the sins of the world. Some would say the wrath of God. The baptism is not a literal baptism because baptism is used metaphorically in scripture, but it is the submersion in an experience of pain and suffering and agony that Jesus was about to enter into. Now what we don't understand because the way the lectionary works, what happened right before James and John pulled Jesus aside and asked for the places of honor in his glory was the third prediction of Jesus himself that he was going to Jerusalem, he would be captured and tortured and executed, and at, on the third day he, was ri- he would rise from the dead. The third time in Mark's gospel, that's what precedes our gospel lesson. 
Now, let's think about this. So Jesus, the third time, is saying to them, this is what's happening in Jerusalem. But they're caught up in their own minds with their own plans, and they're not able to understand what Jesus is saying. And on the road to Jerusalem, the Jerusalem road that Jesus will take later to suffer and die, on that road, they're thinking about these places of honor, that they want to be on the left and on the right. Jesus lets them know that the kingdom that he is inaugurating is in fact a kingdom that doesn't work anything like the way that this world works. And so Jesus lets them know that if you want to be great, you're going to be a servant. And then if he says, if you want to be first, if you want to be on top, if you want to be winning, you're going to be slave of all, he says. And he uses two different words. Different Greek word for servant, different Greek word for slave. Now this must have turned them upside down and inside out because they were used to seeing how people rule. People get to the top and then they try to stay there. They try to increase as many people as they can control and they exploit the position of being on top. And many of us, of course, have a little bit of Zebedee in us where we're thinking about, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? And Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom and follow my way, which leads to life and glory, you'll have to be a servant. So if you want to be great, you have to serve. If you want to be on top, first place, winning, you'll have to be a slave of everyone. So Jesus' lordship, his kingdom, his kingship works by service, by surrender, and self-offering. And as we follow Jesus, as we participate in his life, as we move in the way of the cross, as we participate in the whole movement of Jesus, then we too are called to servanthood, to suffering, surrendering, self-offering, to God first, and then others second. That is the pattern of the life of Jesus. It is the very enactment of the divine life, as a matter of fact, because the greatest revelation of who God is happens on that cross where the nature of God is revealed as self-sacrificial love. Well, as we get closer to our own hearts and our lives, Paul Tripp, who has been thinking about these things, said this. He said, I find that most of the things that lay claim to my heart and battle for the position that only love for God should have are not evil in and of themselves. The desire to be right, to be respected, to own possessions, to have some control, to experience pleasure, or to eat delicious things are not inherently evil. 
He says a desire for a good thing becomes a bad thing when that desire becomes a ruling thing. Now it's interesting to note that last week there was a rich young ruler that missed the greatest opportunity of his entire life because he was ruled by his riches and his possessions. And he was not able to let go of that and follow Jesus. This week, we have two sons of Zebedee that are ruled and attached to this whole idea that they would be in power. Now, the funny thing that I forgot to mention was the other disciples were angry when they heard that James and John had approached Jesus with this plan. Now, because you're nice church people, you're thinking that they were angry because they were offended that that they would try to assume that type of position. No, they were angry because James and John thought of it first and got to Jesus ahead of them in order to get the places of honor. So let's get that straightened out right away. Well, servanthood, self-offering, surrender, sacrifice to God first and for the good of the other is in fact the way of Christ. It is the faith of Christ. It is the cross of Christ and it is the life of Christ. So let me just mention something that is just a little bit of an angle. We, because of where we have grown up, have heard this good news in different ways for years and years and years. We can hear it in a certain way that says to us, I sure am glad that Jesus died. I'm sure I'm glad that Jesus was a servant. I sure am glad that Jesus surrendered. And I sure am glad that he's the offering, so I am not one. So I don't have to die. So I don't have to serve. I don't have to surrender. And that is a real slippery slope. Now it's true that Jesus has made an offering that none of us can make. He's done what we can't do. Simply in his love and grace we receive it. But we don't receive it as the good news that we don't have to serve. Or the good news that we don't have to die to ourselves. Or the good news that we don't have to forgive others. You see, there's a lot for us to do because the good news is is that Jesus has done this, what we could not have done for ourselves, in order to make it possible for us to live and become like him. So that's why all the apostolic message and all the message of Jesus is live like me. Become like me, forgive like me, serve like me. Don't allow evil to be returned as evil like me, Jesus. And so just let that sink in because for many years, I think that I may have heard the gospel, the good news, as news about what I didn't have to do rather than liberation and empowerment and transformation of what I'm called to do. And you may be like me. So this is the life 
that defeats death. And this surrender and offering and sacrifice is the death that leads to life. Now, we heard in our chapter of Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. And so Jesus is, in fact, that suffering servant who bears the sins of many, who makes intercessions for the transgressors. That means he's praying for the people who are crucifying him. That is the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. And James and John will discover something for themselves. Remember, they asked to be on the left and the right of Jesus in his glory. They would discover later that Jesus was in his glory on the cross. And in fact, there was a thief on the right-hand side, and there was a thief on the left-hand side. It was not chosen for them to be there. So that's the ironic twist about this, because they're thinking that they're going to be at the top level of rulership and government in Israel, but in fact, that's not the kingdom that Jesus was dying to inaugurate. But the revelation of the glory of God, the most focused revelation of God's glory and who God is and what God does was on that cross. And James and John were not there. Someone else was chosen to be a part of that. So when we come to our Holy Communion today, we come to receive Jesus, our King, his life and his way, we come to receive this pattern and way of life of servanthood, of sacrifice, of surrender to God first and then to our neighbor because that truly is the way of life. Amen.